This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Okay, I am back with part two of the Martin Keller interview. Like the first episode, I just want to apologise in advance for some of the technical sound issues that we had recording this over Zoom. Uh, We definitely had some struggle with some connectivity here, so I hope you can bear with us on this one. This episode, like the first part, is very much about the projecting process. Martin is a really expert and very experienced climber when it comes to this, all the way from short-term projects through to multi year projects which might have 100 plus sessions. In this episode we talk about rotating planning in order to find optimal conditions for climbing but also not getting obsessed uh, or too obsessed because you may miss prime conditions at other crags. Martin's been through this own process himself or this experience and so he's definitely got a view on this one. He also talks about the benefits of fingerboarding for him and adding those to a structured training plan and how this has reduced his amount of injuries that he has. And then finally, we also talk about having a family and climbing and holding down a job and doing that juggling act that many of us all have and how to keep things simple in order to keep consistency in climbing and performance. I hope you enjoy this episode like part one. And we will dive straight into partway through the episode. I waited till four and I still could feel that the, the, the whole slope was still like getting back like a radiator at 4 a.m. So it was still too warm. And I was like, okay, hmm. changed strategies. So I got up at 4 a.m. and had my warm up, my coffee, and I was ready for the first go at 6 a.m. Because it was the coldest early, early morning in spring. So it needed the whole night to cool down. Then I had to climb really early in the morning to get like two, three hours with decent conditions. So you can rotate around that stuff. But if this messes your sleep cycle too much, your, your, your basic biorhythm, it's maybe not worth to disrupt all your body too much to fight for conditions, simply head to another place, to another project where conditions are prime and come back next season. As I said, I'm really bad on this one up to this day, but I got better, man. It's because you know what then happens usually was I was so long in Ticino and then I missed Magic Wood season because I pushed Ticino for so long till May, whatever, and then usually Magic Wood was in prime. And until I got to Magic Wood and my project, it was already end of May, June, where normally like the perfect conditions have been gone as well. So, and then you're kind of already always behind and it just doesn't make sense in the end. So I really tried to work on that. So this year, last year as well, um, I changed like I stopped earlier when conditions just got too bad, you know. I've been three weeks ago, I've been for the last time in Ticino. It was 25 degrees at 12 a.m. and at 12 p.m. Sorry, so midnight, 25 degrees. I was just like, okay, no, it's just no point. Not with a hundred Makitas 
not with all the strategies, doesn't make sense. Pack my stuff back in the mountains. I will be there next winter. There's no point. So yeah, that I think. Um, turn away if conditions get really bad or are bad. There's like up to a point you can make up for it. If you maybe just need the single the single um, try or if you're on a trip, it's different. You know, we really, really want to send. You can try to dry up the stuff and um, use some um, kitchen paper and makitas or blowers and use aluminium foil on the holds. And there is a lot of stuff you can actually do. But um, yeah, just look for better conditions. And if it's bad conditions, train in a gym. It's so much more efficient. Uh, you have a decent session. You're quicker. You're not frustrated. You get your training in. Um, yeah. So show up at your project when it's good conditions, but then also be ready. You know? So physically ready. And um, if you, and I, I know that you've made, you know, fairly significant gains in finger strength over the years and you you know by objective measures yeah you maybe aren't as strong as some of the very top end climbers in the the sort of vc v15 range on basic dead hang scores but you've made significant improvements in it how did you or how do you assess that it's worthwhile for your time to be going and just dealing with basic finger strength and this is a good use of your time versus the project rather than just going hey i'm a really experienced projector i'll just spend more time on the thing like where do you think that balance that seesaw in is i have 20 hours 40 hours here available it's better spent doing some basic training versus just spending more time on my project. How do you balance that? Yeah, really good question. Um, I think also, you know, I I started business and economics. So um, there's a big thing. It's a big thing is about being efficient, you know, and get the most out of your money and stuff like this. And also it was very clear for me, you know, from a, since a long time it's kind of you don't just bang your head into the rock it's um it maybe sounds like this but there's a lot of strategy into it so the concept of training um it's doing things with a structure with a plan in mind you know and, and then it doesn't really matter if you're if you're like inside at the training wall or if you're outside at the training wall it's but there's a big difference, you know, you know, these people as well. It's like you just go to the gym and just jump around and climb whatever and have a lot of fun. And that's not a bad thing at all. Um, if you actually enjoy yourself and you will get stronger that way as well. But there are a few little tweaks that will bring you so much further than just like, you know, banging your head onto the wall. The same with projecting, the same with being outside. Um, as I said, if you always start at the start sitting this is just stupid you know from a point of view of oh i want to get the thing done it's plain stupid so get a strategy like work the thing apart and then link it together and then working in a way that you actually get stronger so you have to know the basic principles of yeah what what is strength and how do i train strength and 
I mean, I, I played semi-professional soccer when I was a kid and um, did track and field and being a ski instructor, um, being a snowboard instructor, then climbing instructor, I coached in, um, in soccer as well. And it's just always, even in soccer, you know, I was, I was the first one that showed up with, um, with some water to the training. Like we had training in summer and everybody was just dying because we didn't drink water at all. You know, it just dehydrated and I was just digging around on some training stuff and learned, oh yeah, hydration, it's actually really important. So, okay. And imagine it was semi-professional, like on the second highest league in Switzerland. So nobody had a water bottle at training. And even in the, in the matches, just in the break, people were drinking. There was no water there. And I mean, if you know the science behind how much your performance declines, if you get dehydrated, I mean, and in the sport as soccer, you know, when you run around for 90 minutes. So I was kind of, okay, I might be not the, not the kind of, didn't have the best technique. I, I wasn't, you know, the best player at all, but um, I had this strategy approach all the time. So I did bring the water. And then back at that time, it's like people didn't used to be athletic. You know, they were basically just Maradona's, like with a little beer belly. And it's to be a bit mean, you know, it's like, but there was no player with a six pack or, you know, there was no, there was no upper body or strength training at all around. And, and I was then already into track and field as well. And then there I learned, oh, okay, upper body strength training maybe is a thing. So I did a few like basic um, upper body strength training. And so I used to be just the strongest on the, on the field. And that just gave me a compensation of my lack of um, like um, Maradona technique. I was just physically so strong and present. I could make room for myself so I could improve. And I basically took that to, to climbing as well. Um, just trying to, to be more strategic and, as you said, now with fingerboard training, it's like I was just, as you said, like, yeah, climbing a lot. And, and when you start to stall, you know, when there is no, no um, improvement anymore, then I was like, okay, I want to do this, um, like really crimpy boulders, like green time, new baseline. Obviously I can't do them. First thing I tried was, oh, I'm pretty heavy. I go down with my weight. And so I changed my diet. I went from 72 kilogram, which was about my weight for a long time down to 68, 67. So I lost around four or five kilos, mainly with low carb. So I didn't restrict um, calories too much. I still felt okay. Um, so I lost a lot of water for sure. And I felt like I got stronger. Um, I was climbing higher on my project, but wasn't able to send. And I was like, okay, now I did that. Still like not the success that I was looking for. And then I was, okay, what do I lack? You know, it's like, obviously these are crimps and I just lack at finger power. And then I was looking around like, yeah, okay, what can I do to get stronger fingers? And yeah, sure. There was this hangboarding, which I always kind of cheated around. Like, no, no, I don't need, you know, I can still climb a project, but at one point, I was like, okay, I need stronger fingers. And so I started um, to, to, um, to incorporate the really basic hangboard program. Like I had the research from Eva uh, Lopez, which was really interesting as well to see, you know, like somebody trying different protocols against, against each other. 
And so I was always interested in that. And um, yeah, then started it for myself. And actually, I combined it, you know, I didn't want to spend like whole seasons indoor, let's say to get stronger, because I want to be out there, I want to climb, I want to be at the rock, that's just my thing, what I really like about climbing. And so I organized my life in a way I can go actually out and can go climbing outside. So I had this trade off, what do I do? And that's also the reason why I never got into comp climbing a lot because I was really competitive for a long time, as I said, like semi-professional soccer player. Um, and I really like comps. Um, but, um, you know, there was nice weather out there and there was the whole day in the isolation. And I was just like, no, it's, I can't do this. I, I have to go climbing. <laughs> so I was out there. And then I just integrated my hangboard training as a, as a kind of advanced warm-up routine before I actually then went um, on my projects. So I had both of it, you know, I had a mobile hangboard. I could do the, the exercises there. And as with everything, if you have not done something before and you start doing something new, you will make gains if you do it regularly. It's like and it was just funny for me to see how far I got without being able to hang on a hangboard you know so I said I climbed to be 15 um, a few of them without being able to hang one arm without assistance on a more than 20 millimeter like 23 even on the problem solver and people thought that I would make fun out of them you know I still remember the days we tried story of two worlds and I was the only one who couldn't hang one arm, like um, on assistant. And they were like, yeah, you're making fun out of us. And I was like, no, I don't. But then I was the first one out of our group to climb it. That was the funny thing. I had a guy that couldn't hang. But it for sure helped me a lot. Um, you know, and that, that's the question now. Because, you know, you see many people saying, oh, hangboard. It's like, that's not for beginners, only go climbing. And I was thinking the same for a long time as well. Um, but then on the other hand, is there you get a lot out of um, hangboarding if you do it correctly. Like the edge has to be big enough, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you actually can get a lot out of it if you combine it with climbing. You know, it, it never should, if you can substitute climbing, especially if you're a beginner climbing as well. But a basic protocol that just help you. Also, I think a lot of benefits in just making your structures in your fingers stronger and more um, kind of a way. It will prevent you from injury as well. And it's a big thing for me too. I suffered from a long time and I tried small crimpy boulders a lot from like my joints would really age. Like they were really inflated. Uh, inflated and inflamed <laughs> but inflated as well like they got pretty thick and my pulleys as well and when I started hangboarding this nearly got completely away that's really interesting you know so I did the same boulders the same shitty little crimps but with regular hangboarding which means like two to three really quick short sessions a week um, it went away like literally the structures in my fingers must have gotten and that's also what research suggests you know you put stress on the structures and they adapt 
And um, yeah, that was a really, really good thing to to see. And that's also why I think it's it just should be part of every climber's routine, a basic handboard routine, because it actually helps your fingers stay healthy as well. And obviously will make you strong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, a, a fingerboard has really become one of the true staples of any climber's diet as such. Um, whether you're hardcore into your training or whether you just want to perform or whether you want to stay in the sport a long term. And it's, it was there was way too much of this kind of fear factor around fingerboarding for a really long time because... I think it was often just taken in too much of an extreme of like, oh, well, people will just replace this with climbing or you'll only do finger strength on a fingerboard. And the reality is, is that if you take a balanced, intelligent, structured approach with how you use any good tool in climbing, it's very, very productive. And fortunately, nowadays, I think there are Plenty of people that understand how to use a fingerboard, how to use it appropriately, the amount to use, the training protocols to use, that it's now taken the sport and climbers forward by a significant manner uh, or, or, or significant measure. And it's nice to see that. I mean, we at Lattice, we had some real pushback. Um, I guess it must be kind of five, between sort of like five to 10 years ago or, or me, I suppose when I go back 10 years, I say like really me and Ollie as sort of individual coaches before we came together around fingerboarding with juniors as well, um, because I still see this as being a very useful tool when given appropriate guidance. It's so measurable. It's so controllable. Um, it's yeah. not dynamic loading of the fingers. And there's a lot. Yeah, exactly. Of um, yeah, I think exactly there as well. You know, it's. That and I think that's overlooked a lot. It's that veloci velocity thing. It's um, that um, dynamic loading of the fingers that's really problematic, um, and that's a problem. You know, especially when you only go climbing, let's say outdoors or in the gym, and also on the boards. You know, it's like so much dynamic stuff going on. Like people jump around all the time, and if you understand the physics, you're it's wow. That our structures can sustain that much of um, dynamic loading and then i see just you know people get really strong and usually it's what i see as well it's just people just tend to do too much in their training and that goes for all levels and that i am maybe on the on the hard other side but that's also from an approach from hey i'm like way older I need more rest than, you know, if you have work to do, um, you, you cannot train, kind of cannot, but you cannot train at your limit, max training every day or even two days, uh, two sessions a day. It's just, no, it's too much stress, like stress in a way of um, too much going on for your mind and body. So, and then when there is all that dynamic loading, then it really gets problematic. And then it's usually when people get injured kind of overtrain too tired and then not able to control their movement properly anymore and then the foot slips and stuff like this happens and if you train on a hangboard it's static loading 
it's kind of there is no velocity around it's not a tweaky position for your fingers blah 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 so that's also why i did choose it you know because i could feel like when i tried to improve my finger strength purely on these small shitty holds climbing skin is a problem you start to slide around it's tweaky positions um it was painful as well and just not not a way you could not properly train you know with as you say with a nice structure and plan behind like progressive overload auto regulation basic stuff like that and on the hangboard it's amazing you know it's just you and your edge nothing else so it's you can really as you say focus on it you can measure it so it's for training it's so simple and usually it's the simple things that that um show the amazing results uh, as well yeah yeah and to kind of um bring us full circle on on this stuff and projecting and everything else and thank you for everything that you've uh, sort of um explained so far today and as we've been chatting but to my, my last question to you would be when it comes to these things which are simpler than you think but make a uh, make a difference what are those simple items that people want to pay attention to and you think that truly matter when it comes to tying everything together at the end you know like when you're getting to the last one two three sessions where you kind of know the project is really getting to the point where it's gonna happen what are the simple things which you think get people over the line and ticking a project or yourself as well um do less <laughs> i mean i'm sure you you programming that stuff um, at lattice you know that's also it's like training and performance phase it's a big thing for me there it's a bit different because i'm basically always in performance phase so that then you said like, yeah, okay but when you train so you have to be a bit smart so as well i have on my projects i have my training phase and my performance phase so um but it's it's as you say when you get into performance phase but also in in um in training phase it's just what i see it's do less and it will bring you more um it's it's just so hardwired in our brains it's kind of more more is always better you know it's 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 i mean i struggle really with that with with uh, myself as well you know because it's the easiest thing to do yeah just put another training session in and go longer go harder you know we call it yeah just bang your head against the wall and it's actually not um it's actually doing less um like if you want to get stronger which is the ultimate goal you know when you want to get a better if you want to send hard stuff if you want to improve your level you have to get stronger and when you want to get stronger you have to train for strength which means you have to go for high intensity but low volume and if you try both you end up um overtrained or injured and then you know people see this like the top top climbers like the the world cup climbers they train two three times um a week and they do this and that and 
then I have clients too, you know, that say like, yeah, I get up at 5 a.m. and I go for a training session. Then I go to work. You know, they work a 100% job. They have family. Um, then they want to get up at 5 a.m. and they want to have a training session that they can have a second training session in the evening. And I'm like, yeah, and when you go to bed, and they're like, yeah, maybe at 12. So it makes five hours of sleep. And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's what people don't see. You know, you, you don't see the pros. It's like they normally don't have now they come with family but you know that as well you know you're a you're a dad it's kind of but let's say they they usually don't have a family they um, usually don't have to get up at 5 a.m um they can sleep they can eat they can rest accordingly properly then they are maybe 20 or 18 and not 35 which is a huge difference what your body can handle and what kind of stress it can handle and recover so just say people hey no you get the sleep it's like you if you train even if only once you need seven to eight hours of sleep to properly recover and you will feel that stuff so you don't do two sessions you do the one session we cut it apart we do less with higher intensity but you get the sleep in the morning it's early enough if you had to get up at six or seven whatever the more sleep the better so really have to focus on on recovery it's like everybody you know then people come to me yeah i train like i train every day but i don't progress anymore and it's yeah okay so why yeah maybe because you train every day you know it's what people don't get is that let's say neurological adaptions aside but you don't get stronger while you train you you set a stimulus and your body needs time to adapt and respond to rebuild structures and it's not only your muscles it's your pulleys your ligaments your mind as well it's a lot of people don't get the importance of like your nervous system has to recover as well there is easy stuff like you can do grip grip strength test in the morning because that's a really high link in between grip strength and the recovery rate of your nervous system i mean i can tell i can grab a like a ball in the morning and I can immediately tell I feel shit, you know, like after a climbing training day, the next morning, I can barely press the ball. It's like my nervous system is just down because it was taxed so much. So stuff like that. Okay, don't tax your system too much. Do less, especially in a performance phase. And also the sessions, you know, when you feel really good, don't go on forever. I had a client last week. We tweaked a few things and he was going nuts. <laughs> he texted me, man, best session ever. He had like one heart, double digit boulder problem on the moonboard afternoon. And I was like, man, how long are you in the gym? And he was like six hours. <laughs> and I was just, I mean, yeah, he's young, but still you can't go hard for six hours, you know? And, and I had to call him back, like back down, like stop immediately, like, and, Sure enough, he did run in a overtraining and fatigue hole. Um, and so it's really, okay, do less, rest more. And it's so hard to grasp for people because this is so hardwired. It's more is always better. You have to do more, more, more. I could go on, you know, another client as well had a really, really, really good um, spring season, like flashing multiple 
eight A's in a day in Ticino. And then he was, yeah, but I need to get better, stronger. And he was starting this like two sessions a day. Took him like three weeks. He injured his pulley. And, uh, you know, it's not anecdotal. It's again, 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 again. So hard as it sounds, but you have to be a bit patient. Okay, you have to give your body enough time, but it will pay you back. It also feels good when you're in performance phase. You know, you want to feel strong when you go to your project. You don't want to drag yourself out. You barely can do a pull-up. Your skin hurts. There's no point to show up to your project. It's just get another rest day, come back, crush. And if you feel your stimulation goes down, then do a light hangboard session the evening before. But by light, I don't mean a three-hour hangboard session where you do repeaters till you fail. <laughs> but you know that stuff as well, I think. Okay, but it's it's what I see it's by far. And it's from the beginners to the pros, it's the same, you know. Uh, do less. I like it. You will climb more. Yep, I think yeah. um, that's uh, something that I... Yeah, I, I agree with on on the broader part, and um, and I think it's uh, it's another thing which is yeah, as you say, it's simple. It's easy to underrate um, how important those things are. Um, but you know, the more the more that we repeat these relatively simple concepts and remind people that this often is the stuff which makes a difference at the end of the day um, is we will slowly chip away at it so that the the climbing and training culture changes around some of these things and i've seen stuff change over the last five years ten years in oh interesting what people do with you know the training performance it just takes a consistent communication and for people who are in a position of you know influence or um knowledge or authority within a you know particular industry to be collectively um harmonious in the way that they communicate with people and it tends to work in the, in the long run it just takes time yeah and and you know it's also it's it's hard to tell people as well like rest like do nothing it's kind of yeah but i want to do something to get better and then you tell them yeah do more nothing <laughs> it's like okay and on the other end you have people that are so bored that don't know what to do i i had one client we literally had to find a new hobby for him because he was just like man i i have to go to the gym every day because i don't know what to do and i'm yeah. like oh that's new you know it's like whoa i never thought about that because you know it's when you have a job blah blah you're busy you always have something to do family um, but if there is no family, no kind of job, it's yeah, okay. And for sure, it's different, you know, as well. You at Lattice see if you work with high level young athletes, which um, you train for like World Cup competitions, you train totally different. But as I say, it's, it's, they have a totally different environment as well. And I think people, because you don't see that, you only see their training routine they show on social media you see them train twice three times a day but you don't see the environment around and if you're 35 and you have a family and a hundred percent job even 25 and you have a hundred percent job working you get up you only get five hours of sleep that's a completely different environment and so your training has to be completely different and 
what I just want to say to the people is, you, you know, if you get really complicated, detailed and highly specific and detailed training plans and this like two, three trainings and, and yeah, for high level athletes, you, you get, you get something out of there for sure. And also because it's sometimes just a little bit, if you get 5% more, that's huge gains. And this will maybe the difference between a final or not, you know, so there, this is valuable as well. But if you're, as I said, like working in a job, if you're, if you, if you have a family, it's kind of this then maybe will not make 5% plus, it will take you 10, 20% down. Um, it's too complicated. You won't stick to it. It's, it's just, it's this case, keep it simple and stupid. And you actually can get super far with it. You know, that's the interesting thing. If you're consistent over time, because it's also as people get really freaked out. Oh, I miss training session, but my plan says today's training. I have to this, this, this. I'm like, hey, your body doesn't care at all if Wednesday was training day or Thursday. You know, it's kind of five years from now, if, even next week, it doesn't matter. But if you stick to a basic structure for five years, this will bring you the big changes. But what you do on a weekly basis, if you do one or if you skip one training, it doesn't matter. You know, I tell my people if you feel wasted and tired and whatever after the day of work and not feeling like training, just go home to your family and have a nice day, put Netflix on, maybe do some stretching in front of the TV, but just take the rest, recover, and then go for the next training. It's it will help you more. You will be stronger in the long term than when you try to push into something you're totally not on. Because, you know, this auto-regulation thing that you should regulate your training, how you feel, sounds, again, stupid easy. But nobody does it. Because on the plan, it's like 10 kilo on my max hands. People don't regulate usually that one. You know, they feel completely shit. They try to press 10 kilos even if they feel completely shit. Um, so better don't do it then at all. You know, it's just not worth because I see people injuring themselves exactly this way. They try mm. to put in more and more. They felt tired and then they just something cracked, you know? So I know it's hard, you know, for me the same, but I had to learn it as well. I'm glad my job and my skin and my schedule, it's just I can't train every day. It's just no question, man. With getting 45, <laughs> it's just after one training day, like, okay, we talk max training. You know, it's even my skin. I couldn't climb on the same level on the second day. It's just impossible. Um, an 18-year-old, I mean, they are on every day and they're sending their project on the fourth day on. And I would maybe do 6A on my fourth day on <laughs> but i take um, a break in between i come back okay four days later but then i climb on the same level again so i don't mind so it's more time for the other stuff that is going on you know as family work and i'm just glad it works you know you can get really far even if you don't train three times a day i mean if i tell people what i do they are like, man, you're kidding me. You know, I get to maybe two training sessions a week. 
two and a half. Okay, if I'm lucky, that's all I do. And I keep my level at 45 now and I still progress. And I think that's pretty cool. It just shows you, and maybe that's a thing they can take with them. And I say, do less. Okay, let's see. A 45 year old can train two times a week and is still progressing. That I think for me already, um, yeah, a decent level as well. So, and now you can say the other thing, it's like, yeah, but what if he would train different? You know, it's like, hmm, it's a really good question. Um, what people also don't get is when you have all these pros, you know, they don't have three trainings a week that a day that lasts three hours, another thing, you know, then people think they train three times, three hours. So it's pretty short and intense. And it's just whatever you do, then we maybe full circle back. It's kind of, it has to resonate with what you want to do, what you get the fun out of it. If moonboard is the thing that is fun for you, then do moonboard. If more hangboarding or whatever other board is the thing, then go for that. If projecting on the rock is the thing you want to do, then go for that. It's, but if you want to progress over time, then um, learn about the simple ideas of um, how you can structure what you do in a way you actually get stronger. And I think that's key because you don't have to take the fun out of it when you train. That's what many people don't get. You know, you can have shit lot of, of fun while training and you can train everywhere with everything. Training only means get a structure to what you do and don't bang your head into the wall. Um, and that's also what people, you know, it's like, okay, I, I was going for 13 years to that one project. It's kind of, and then I climbed it. It's, that's training time for me. You know, it's, it doesn't matter if you spend it on rock or if you spend it on a climbing wall, on a hangboard, but in the end, you have to put in time in a structured way. And this will make you stronger. And in the end, you get up. You know, it's, it's, there is no free lunch there. Um, and that's why I think it's important to go for what, as we said at the beginning, inspires you and then keep going for it and, and do less. Yeah. But you have to put the work in, but maybe less than you think if you have a good structure. And that's why I like that there are more and more coaches out there and guys like you who really take it on a really, really cool level and put a lot of thought on it and um, work with people. And also what I really like is that the fun is always there as well. It's just, I just love it because I think that's important in climbing. It's, it's still fun. And I think yeah, everybody can tell when we see um, your videos, <laughs> you and Pete, of course, but also at Lattice, I like that. Yeah. It should be fun as well. Definitely. Yeah, definitely fun is very, very important element to it all. Well, Martin, thank you for joining me this evening. Um, Midweek, um, not, not even a weekend um, and uh, taking time out of your schedule to kind of chat through, you know, the whole projecting thing. Um, and I know that people will um be interested in seeing a bit more kind of detail about some of your thoughts 
on projecting. And I, I will say to anyone listening that Martin's written some really good Instagram posts um, over the years about some of his projecting process with different um, climbs. And I, they're really well-written posts and he's very, very engaged um, on that social media. So, but Martin, where's, where's best for people to kind of find you? Um, is it just on Instagram or is it website or Facebook? Where, where's best? No, I think um, Instagram is best. Yeah, it's the most easiest and most convenient way. And um, Facebook, I only run because I have to have one because of Instagram, but I never was a fan um, benefit. So Instagram, yeah, Switzy, bouldering. And I have a blog somewhere, but I basically don't use it anymore. It's definitely a bit out of um, out of date, even though I liked it because it normally can go more deep in blog posts and whatever, Instagram, Switzy, bouldering. Okay, and that is Switzy Bouldering with a double Z, or if you're listening from America, that's a double Z. Yeah. Um, this was yeah. pointed out to me recently that why we say Z like a Z is, yeah. I think now I think about it. Um, so yeah, S W I Z Z Y Bouldering um, on Instagram. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank thank you very much, um, Martin. It's um, a pleasure um and uh hopefully next time we catch up it will be in person in front of some fantastically good crack boulder that's what i'm, <laughs> that's what I'm dreaming i of. would like that yeah you're gonna to find something you're gonna more. Find me on 8c finger crack somewhere in switzerland <laughs> <laughs> you have to look i will let you know if we find one and 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 yeah i would really love to have you on a, on the same discussion but on the other way around because i think people could take a lot from you as well um yeah because you have a really really method methodological approach to as i said projecting and i really admire you guys how you how you yeah solve the problems because you don't have this finger cracks projects you want to climb so solve the problem yeah we have a seller and then yeah put up a training plan and mm. yeah you can tell it works and it's i think it's pretty cool to see that again and again sometimes a bit better than conditions of course you cannot always you can be at the best time everything should line up and then it doesn't i think you had some troubles as well out there in the desert with not always perfect conditions and then yeah you you ultimately can just try to make the best out of it and if you did perfect i think that's a yeah draws a, a conclusion um thanks for listening everyone um i hope you've all found this uh useful and we're always up for hearing feedback on anything with our podcasts um you saw martin suggest something there about turning the tables and swapping something around so if you like the sound of that then send us a message uh, to our email address or on Instagram and hassle us. We always like being hassled for different ideas. What we do for content is often informed by all of you listening and interacting with our stuff. But catch up with us again on our next podcast. We'll be out probably in about a week's time. And uh, thank you for listening.